everyone. Uh, my name is Margarita. Here is Fibian, uh, who is behind the camera right now. Uh, we would like to raise awareness on an important topic um, about substance abuse in The Hague and have a conversation about drugs. Um, we are happy to have today Martijn. Um, he works uh, in Salvation Army um, already for six years in The Hague. And we will talk about his work a little bit, clients and experience. Um, disclaimer, um, there is a possibility that Salvation Army doesn't share all the values and uh, opinions about this. So we talk particularly with Martin about this. And this podcast will be in three parts. So check the other ones, please. Um, so how are you doing, Martin? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Uh I'm also happy to be talking about this subject. It's close to my heart. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm happy to do a podcast about this actually. Okay, we're lucky to have you then. Um, so yeah, I think the first question for me as for students of The Hague, uh, we pass through Holland Spar a lot mm. and sometimes we like have a drink at Spa and things. And also during a mapping that we did with uh, Fibian before, um, we seen a lot of begging people and also like who approach citizens and um, we were wondering are these your clients and are you familiar with these people um, and uh, why those areas are popular among them yeah the people coming to you in the streets uh, asking you for money uh, specifically those are my clients the location I work are people who suffer from an active drug addiction meaning that rehab and uh, detox uh, uh, project have been attempted, did not succeed. And they're like, uh, and the mentality towards these people from my working place now is, if you don't want to quit drugs, don't. Uh, we've accepted the status quo. And these are the people uh, that you will find in the streets uh, telling you, I am homeless. Uh, do you have one or two euros for a homeless person? Why do you think they choose to go there particularly? I'd say it's the most, um, because you mentioned the area of Spau, Holland Spoor. Yeah. And these are very, uh, these have a lot of foot traffic. There are a lot of people uh, in out uh, that you have students uh, uh, near the, and, and just mainly travelers uh, near Holland Spoor and behind it. At Spau and uh, also Grote Markt, you have a high area of people uh, it's an area which is uh, a lot of people you have are drinking, they're going out, uh, and there's a lot of people in the same place, probably in a good mood. And yeah, it's a tactic uh, to pick out these people. And I've, I've had that they will join you on the table, they will have like a 10 minute conversation. Um, yeah, they want money. All right. Um, so can you tell us now, as we are familiar about who we meet from your organization on the streets, what is your organization that you work for and what does it entails to to do this work uh yeah i work for the salvation army which is a, a christian humanitarian non-profit organization uh yeah it's uh, it comes from england of course um uh created by william booth and his mentality was uh lots of people try to bring faith to people uh, the belief but his mentality was uh, an empty stomach has no ears. Meaning that you can tell people about Jesus, you can tell people about faith, but if they are hungry, they will not listen to you. Feed them first, get them a, a shower, get them a place to sleep, 
and then uh, uh, you can work with them. Uh -huh. It's very interesting mentality, but um, you and your colleagues, what exactly do they do and you do when yeah. you come to the to the workplace, when you see them and what what do you do for them, for your clients? Yeah, I work in a location, we have 45 clients um, uh, and they are mostly, they need a lot of assistance in their daily routine. So uh, being uh, being a long-time drug user, a lot of uh, things that are very common to you and me, like taking a shower every day, making sure you eat three meals, keeping social contacts, most of these things have went to the background. And yeah, their main priority, it is to get their drugs to support their addiction. Uh, and we try to keep their rooms clean, to keep them, uh, uh, to, to keep giving them social contacts, which I say is the most important thing of what we do, because the people I work with, they don't get attention from a lot of people. Not a lot of people acknowledge them or, or care about them. And we try to, um, yeah, keep uh, be there for them, as uh, vague as that might sound. And we try to make sure they eat, that they shower, that their finances are taken care of, that if they have medical appointments, we accompany them. And, and uh, we're the between person between them and pretty much every uh, muni municipal uh, instance. All right, that's, that's very interesting. And um, could you tell us about your clients more, who they are, what's their story, what's their lives? Um, because we have a lot of perception about these people and we often don't take time as, as, as a whole population to stop and think, oh, they probably had family or they probably have family or wh why does this happen? So yeah, who they are? Of course, they all have family. They're all someone's child. They're all, um, and most of them have had normal lives they've had jobs some of them had high paying jobs i've met people at my work that used to work for shell and used to make a hundred thousand euros uh, uh a year um but yeah a classic story will be that um the wife leaves uh, a lot of men we mostly have men and a lot of uh, the men their story is their wife left them they, they got into depression in this depression, they started either drinking or using drugs, anything to cope with this depression. And if you stay in this long enough, uh, so you lose your job, you stop paying your bills, you stop caring about your surrounding, you lose your social network, you lose your job, uh, bills build up. And at a certain moment, and I think this counts for everybody, if everything dries up, you, you are homeless. And when you are homeless, it's easier to get homeless than to get yourself out of that situation. And so if when you have to sleep at the night shelter, when you ha are uncertain about your next meal, uh, it can become virtually impossible to dig yourself out of this situation. Uh, after this, people, yeah, they seem to give up. They just hang their head and they're like, yeah, uh, it is what it is now. And, uh, um, yeah, they, they just gave up the will to to actively try to make something of it. And if this goes on long enough, they become the people that um, that you see near Hollandspoor, that seem confused, uh, weird behavior, that you suspect they are on drugs. But more often than not, they came from a normal life. And that's what I try to keep telling people. Uh, it can happen to anybody. 
we're all a few paychecks away from being homeless and how long can you be homeless without perspective uh, and, and just give up it, it happens to a lot of people but society feels very comfortable kicking down to these people saying it's their choice uh, 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 they made their own situation and um, yeah it's far more complicated than that right um yeah it's it's horrible to hear that everybody of us can be at the risk and um i am as well coming from a surrounding where we're like as, as normal people are afraid of something like this so we try to distance ourselves and then we come to a situation that we we ignore them and it's nice that you can tell their story like that today um but do you think that's the attitude of people outside your organization who are not really familiar with this, uh, that their attitude, w which attitude do you think they have even? Um, does it impact your work uh, and makes it more difficult? Yeah, very much actually, I think. Um, as you said, most people, uh, they're afraid of, of my clients pretty much. Um, but I think that they're not so much afraid of the clients and their behavior. They're afraid of the concept that it could happen to them. I don't think this is on a conscious level. Most people don't put that much thought in it. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're all afraid that this could happen to us and we do not want to acknowledge this. And yeah, the attitude of people towards my clients in this case, there is a, yeah, there in, in our society, there's still a large stigma on as well drug abuse. Uh, substance abuse and on uh, uh, psychological uh, illnesses. If someone shows weird behavior that we cannot place, which is not within our normal, uh, we want to distance ourselves, uh, ourselves, and um, yeah, the term junkie easily gets thrown around, which is, in my opinion, one of the most horrible terms that you can use to describe a human, mm -hmm. calling them pretty much garbage and 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 dehumanizing them. And yes, it impacts uh, my work a lot. It impacts my clients um, because society pretty much rejects them and doesn't give them a, f a fair opportunity to, to ever get out of this situation. Uh, and it impacts uh, uh, my work and my colleagues' work because we get caught into this loop of constantly having to give people a certain psychoeducation about, okay, these people exist, this is why they are here, this is what we try to do, and it's it feels like an uphill battle sometimes. All right, yeah, um, we had interview with some of your clients before, and um, it was really enlightening to talk to them and see and break that sort of uh, a wall yeah. between, between, for example, me and them. Um, because I I did separate it so much before because it is I think everyone's fear a little bit to end up unsuccessful or something like this so we do reject it but when I had an experience talking with them uh, I, I really felt so enlightened and happy and that they are willing to talk how they address you how do they behave when you really seriously take their story and listen and take your time with them? It changes them so, so much. It's like uh, 180 degrees change in a person. And that was a great experience about that. Um, 
do you think uh, in general there is um, interaction of your um, clients and the society of the Hague and in terms of how they're spoken to addressed and interacted to compare with other people yeah well uh, first of all I found it interesting that you uh, uh, mentioned a wall that exists between our uh, my clients and society because there is no wall but we for some reason perceive there is a wall uh, yeah and uh, what you will find is that what you found is that when you have a talk with them they're so happy for some simple human interaction to be listened to to be taken serious and that's pretty much the core of the problem that people do not do this that people I've seen it so often that someone says do you have some money for me and you could politely say no I do not and be and and, and go on with your day but I've seen people gesturing them away or just simply ignoring them or start swearing at them like how dare you ask me for money I'm gonna, seems disproportionate and not unnecessary to me and to a certain degree, I do understand it, though, because if the same person is on the same street corner every day and he asks you every day, it, it can get annoying. But you can get annoyed by this person and you can get angry. But these people that pass this same person every day will never take a single minute out of their day to be like, hey, you seem to be having a hard time. Uh, uh, how did you get here? Uh, uh, how are you doing, actually? Uh, and and they and I've discussed people telling them that they could try this, and you get responses like, "Yeah, it's not my responsibility to talk to them, and it's their choice." And people build instantly built this wall, uh, saying like, "I do not need to talk to these people, and they should just not not be there." All right, but uh, yeah, I I can recall because one of my professors um, he asked me a question when we were doing the research uh, on this topic. Um, what is my motivation even to talk to this like why should I I don't understand why you're trying to address that I should stop and spend some time of my day I don't want to um, how could you reply to that or explain this behavior it is nobody's responsibility to spend any time with anybody uh, turning it around nobody is responsible for spending time with this teacher of yours uh, that's true. That's true, and we're all humans, and we all need it. Yeah, it's it's an <laughs> interaction of society, right? And humans it's like need human interaction. Simple as that. Like, I believe in a sort of small investment into society to create a better surrounding, like for your kids and everything. Basically, on a on a simple way, um, when you live somewhere and you you start living there, and you have your neighbors, you have choices to greet these neighbors every morning and smile to them or to ignore them and go past them. Oh. And for me, it is very much this direction of uh, having this moment of little impact. And then they will tell you, oh, you actually forgot to turn light off on your bike. Go down because I know it's your. And if you don't greet people and don't do this that way, they might be like, okay, we, we don't know. It's awkward to knock on the door even, like even if they want to. So it's a certain wall that you can break with a smile and a hello. True story. And um, I, I believe we can make reference to that, but of course it's nobody's obligation to stop. And if you feel insecure even addressing these people, of course say, uh, uh, no, I don't have money and, and pass by. It's, it's not a problem. But if you find in yourself the power 
the the energy to do say hi uh, how was your day or share a cigarette with them is you, you can also do like i don't have any money but i have a cigarette do you want one or, or or if you want to and it's it's absolutely a decision of a person on every day and i think that's what we should all remember because True. we cannot impact on it as a government, as a uh, um, municipality, or even as an organization. You can not force people to do that. And when it's a force, it is breaking its purpose because it has to be a wish. And uh, nobody um, insists on this interaction. But why not to invest into your society? Um, do you think there's enough of awareness in about the situation in The Hague, about your organization? about uh, these people um, and if there is not enough um, how can we increase it uh yeah awareness is lacking um and that's uh concerning my clients it's uh, uh would be awareness about certain psychiatric behavior but it's also awareness about the fact that these people were not born like this it's not like uh, uh, uh they have been during childhood, they always were uh, uh, addicted. They were always seen as junkies. There's something happened. Ne for nearly everybody I work with, there's been a, a traumatic experience. Uh, severely, uh, these people have been through stuff that most of us can hardly imagine. And this is something nobody really stops to think about. Um, also about the concept of addiction. It's so easy when people say, I mentioned this before, it is their choice. Uh, they could choose to stop with it. Well, anybody who knows even a little bit about addiction will know it's much more complicated and that addiction is not the problem in itself. Addiction most times will be uh, a symptom of a deeper lying problem. Yeah, we will talk about this in a different part of uh, this podcast because there's three of them I reminded and please check them. Um, but do you think there is some tips that you could give right now to every citizen of The Hague who cares to make a ch change or to a little bit impact more the situation or even maybe come to Salvation Army and donate something? Um, can you tell what, what each of us could make if they had a wish or behave a certain way with these people when they approach you? Yeah, uh, don't ignore them. Uh, I think ignoring is a horrible form of emotional abuse where you do not acknowledge the existence of another person and uh, we say that they have a choice to re-enter society and, 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 and be normal but as long as we keep kicking them down as a society this will never happen we will keep enforcing this status quo uh, so it is no one's responsibility or obligation to do so not at all. Uh, uh, if you don't feel comfortable or safe doing it, don't do it. But if you can find it in yourself to actually give a little bit of attention, a little bit of your time, uh, this can do so much. I, I noticed at work even like the other day, I left my phone on the dinner table at work and the stigma about all my clients is that they will steal from their mother, from anybody, the first chance they get to facilitate their drugs. Then a client came to me who is heavily addicted and has very little money. I was like, Martijn, I recognize this as your phone. You left it on the dinner table. You should be more careful with your stuff. Why does he do this? Because he knows me. We respect each other. And yeah, it, it's much easier to steal from someone that you do not know nothing about, someone who has no face, that you don't even like. 
Mm-hmm. So if you want them to do something for society, society should do something for them. If we're not on their side, why did, why should they be on our side? Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, very logical. And I think this is constantly uh, a cooperation. If you contribute into seeing people on the streets, streets become safer. And I believe so. Um, I think I want to touch a sensitive topic as well for your clients. It's a sensitive topic about uh, begging um, money, give or not to give. Uh, and if not, um, what what is happening? Because basically what we found out with Vibian during interviewing your clients, um, that begging is actually a crime in the Netherlands and you get a fine for it. You not get arrested, but you get a big fine. Uh, and as your client mentioned, nine euros of administrative cost additional to that. Um, so basically, are um, uh, am I contributing to the crime? Am I sponsoring drugs? Am I helping the client? Do they have any other income? And h- how does it impact them? It's not against the law to give them money. Uh, however, should you give them money? Uh, in my personal opinion, I never give money because regarding specifically my clients, they're all actively addicted. If I give them money, the first priority 99% of times will be to uh, sponsor their drugs. So I do not give money. But however, um, if I have a croissant in my backpack, I'm like, have a croissant, I'll eat the other one and have a minute with them. If they're, if I have a cigarette, I will give them a cigarette. If it's late at night in winter, I'll like, I'll get you a hot cup of coffee. Uh, and you often hear, but they don't want a cup of coffee. They don't want a sandwich. They just want money to buy drugs. Don't forget, these are still human beings who eat, who drink, who like coffee, and who still uh, also want social interaction. This, this all gets uh, uh, pushed to the background for society. And we're like, they just want drugs. They just want your money. And that's all there is. Uh, and that's very much oversimplification of, uh, I mean, th- it's not completely wrong that their main priority will be drugs and they will be spending money on drugs. But yeah, d- don't forget about other human needs that still still are in effect. All right. and. Um how should you behave when you're approached by them? For example, um, I am a girl, not really able to protect myself from anything. And if I don't know about the streets and I'm in a, let's even say in different town than The Hague, because here I can be like, okay, I know this street, I know that street, I can expect something. And I'm being approached and I I, I freeze. Um, is it necessary? Should I be careful? Um, if if I if if I don't give money and I get aggression, um, I might be negative towards them and stigmatize more. How do you think we can go around this? Yeah, that's a, it. Is not an easy situation at all. Um, the fact that if you are on the streets at night and someone with unpredictable behavior will talk to you, it's very understandable. You don't feel safe. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 hard. For, it's hard for me to to actually give any pointers or tips on this subject. To be honest. Yeah, I believe that um, any any human being should first 
care about themselves. It's the same as in um, in a plane. First, put mask on yourself, then help assist others. Absolutely. So I believe that if you're still feeling very uh, insecure and you give money to this uh, uh, people or don't give this money, uh, you you decide. But if you don't, please don't think of yourself as oh i didn't help or i didn't know what to do or something like this don't overthink the situation you first need to protect yourself and feel safe about it and then after that you can already decide if you want to in safe condition do something for them or share the minute um we are not insisting on you going there uh full uh on and trying to make friends um it is more about realizing more that they are more they have story for example like uh, jeffrey could talk us uh, about this he's traveled in america and things like this it's one of the clients of martin and it was amazing because i haven't been to america i mean i have done less in my life than him yeah and this this is crazy because i feel like these people shouldn't be there when you you go and talk to them and um but i i encourage you to think of this and think of them when you see them on the streets but i don't encourage you to risk yourself because yeah if you are not well if you are not feeling stable and you are afraid you shouldn't think of others first but yourself Absolutely. because this is the point because you cannot make people happy when you are unhappy yourself and you cannot impact people in a good way when you're scared and you have a right to be scared have a right to have a doubt um and just don't overthink it and don't create a negative perspective on this constantly just follow your decisions your mind and everything yeah and also um when you came to my work for those interviews and you talked to a few of my clients you had great talks you had a great time yeah did you imagine it would be so comfortable and that the talks would be so nice no i i never imagined that my point yeah i never imagined that and i wasn't brave enough to to go there uh, but with uh, encouraging of my teacher and my uh, uh, colleague Fabian, uh, we we could do that all together. And and when we were already there, it, it the fear was falling off very quickly because they were curious about us. They were happy that there are some new people around. They were happy to tell their story, and they didn't feel different. That moment, we all felt very equal in the same. Uh, a condition and it felt like sitting in a cafe with them and just having a talk about experiences in life and this is beautiful yeah because when i tell people just have a talk with them they anticipate like oh i'm gonna have a talk with them and, and, and i won't feel safe mm -hmm. i don't feel comfortable i'm like that's your anticipation that's not reality yeah. reality is they are just humans willing to make a talk with you um and I'm glad that you guys had this experience, that yeah. you could, uh, uh, you learned this. Yeah. And we invite everyone to pass by Salvation Army, maybe read about them and uh, donate some maybe clothing sometimes, maybe come up there and ask uh, if you can help with anything. Um, and I think that's a great moment to finalize our first part. Please check our other two parts. And uh, thank you so much for this story. You're very welcome.